0: Hello there and welcome to the ADIPEC Energy Dialogues, a series of conversations with leading analysts and experts from around the world, brought to you in the run-up of ADIPEC 2020. I'm Etna Trainer, your host for this program, and I'm absolutely delighted to be able to welcome to the ADIPEC Energy Dialogues the Secretary General of the International Energy Forum. Recently appointed, hardly in the job, I'm absolutely thrilled. Joe McMonigle, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Uh, Great to be with you, Etna.
0: And we're going to be hearing a lot more from you, Joe, in the years ahead. You're just starting your new term. But if I might firstly ask you about the state of the global economy, the global oil demand. And when we look at the fallout there's been, not just in the oil industry, in industry in general, are you encouraged when you see the fact that there is a pickup in demand and hopefully by the end of the year?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we started out the year with uh, high hopes, I think, for stronger uh, demand. Uh, and, a, and, a, and a good, healthy uh, year in terms of w- global economic growth, uh, and then of course we took a very devastating uh, impact with the economic shutdown from from COVID. And um, uh, you know, I think the forecasts that were put out about how severe it were w- was going to be was w- were a little off, I think. Uh, but nonetheless, it was it was still a, a very devastating uh, blow to the global economy. Um, we've we've somewhat um, uh, you know stabilized I think out of that and and in no large part due to the efforts of OPEC Plus uh, in terms of curbing uh, demand really unprecedented actions in terms of cutting demand and also the G20 countries joining in um, uh, with, with some of their own efforts and so uh, at least from a supply pers- perspective we we definitely have have turned the corner. And uh, and so I think growth has picked up. Uh, it's I think generally it's it's uh, gasoline demand, uh, but you know there are other parts of the of the uh, of the sector that that really need to to come back. And and I think that's really the big question mark. I mean we, I think we've done all we can from the supply side. Um, I think we need to start looking at, at you know what happens on demand and and preparing for all cases
0: and indeed i mean it's the challenges that are there i mean i think every year we see huge challenges in the industry and the resilience at least that's the one thing that we can see i think time and time again they manage to get over those challenges and now when we look at what opec has done and opec plus they've actually managed to you know to widen that conversation and as you said you know the g20 everybody's really looking at this but it has to be a wider conversation and it really has to be a global conversation and i suppose would you agree we need to hear as many diverse voices as possible actually getting involved in this
1: yeah i mean i i mean this not just uh, you know this is not just confined to speaking about energy but i think one one lesson that the pandemic has taught us is that we're all in this together and we're all interconnected uh and you know whether some of us like it and some of us don't like it uh it is a global world and um, we're all affected by something like this and and so i think uh you know it means that everybody has to sort of pitch in and and so i've been encouraged actually by the uh the cooperation um it you know certainly the opec plus uh, had a little bit of a rocky road in in the the spring after that uh uh, march opec meeting um but uh now is stronger than ever i think in terms of its its dedication and looking at you know really making sure that we we see this through this this really unprecedented uh, hit to the global economy, it's certainly in their interest to do that because they want to have a healthy uh, customer base, if you will. Um, and uh, but they're being very responsible, I think, about it. Um, and um, and the G20, I think, is taking really important steps under the presidency of Saudi Arabia. I think that's really one um, sort of uh, a great thing that that that's coincidence that sort of happened is that not only is Saudi Arabia is sort of the leader of, of the OPEC plus group, um, but is also the president of the G20. And so they were able to convene, you know, really extraordinary actions, I think, not just by OPEC plus, but by the G20 as well. And, and so we've definitely stable, stabilized, but um, there's so much work to be done and a lot of challenges ahead. And some of the challenges, we don't even know what they are yet.
0: Indeed. And I think when we look at that wider conversation with G20, you know, that will continue, of course, to the end of the year. Absolutely vital that everybody is, you know, paying attention to this. Now, of course, making predictions in the oil and gas sector, it's it's not an exact science. You will know this from you know, your time as an analyst, and you will know this, you know, from, from your great career in this industry. But the transparency in the industry is absolutely vitally important. And I would imagine, or would you agree, that it has actually been getting better. But is the industry using, I suppose, the best tools, the best technical tools, digital tools? And are these tools actually helping to make the industry more transparent and helping producers and consumers perhaps make better use of that data as well?
1: Well, I think we're, we're getting much better at this. And uh, I think a, a lot of the challenges lie in getting other countries to be more transparent and, uh, uh, providing data so that others can can react uh, to it and make appropriate uh, uh, decisions. And um, this is one area where JODI can really play a big role. The Joint uh, Oil Data Initiative, which is uh, housed at at the IEF, and um, you know we have big plans for for JODI uh, to really uh, expand. And and you know JODI does it, it basically houses all of the data. From all of the producing, and consuming, consuming countries, um, I've been very encouraged at some of the working group discussions as part of the G20, pointing to the JODI initiative as a way to um, better enhance uh, transparency uh, in the oil and gas sector and 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 other sectors potentially as well. There's a gas initiative also that's part of JODI as well, and um, so so I think there's going to be a big role for JODI to play here. It's certainly a tool for all of these countries um, and the world to use. And um, we'll be making changes ourselves uh, to make it more effective, I think, from a transparency standpoint.
0: And indeed, that's a tool and to our viewers, it's as simple as it sounds, J-O-D-I. Yeah, I'm really bringing all those organizations, the joint organizations together. And of course, the other wonderful great thing about it is you've made that available and free online whereby people can actually use it and make great use of it. So, I mean, a, grand, a great initiative by the International Energy Forum. But talk to me, many of our viewers, of course, are familiar with the International Energy Forum. It's been around a while, but bring us back perhaps a little bit just to remind a few people, why was it put in place in the beginning?
1: Yeah, this, so this was, I think, really an idea that started with uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, remember after the oil embargo and, and all the, the troubles uh, that, that came out of that, um, you know, there were two organizations, uh, you know, there was OPEC and then um, the OECD formed the the IEA, International Energy Agency which I was a um, U.S. representative to and also the vice chairman of the governing board for a couple of years. And uh, those groups kind of worked separately and didn't really talk to each other. Um, Maybe bilaterally, uh, some of the countries spoke, but really I think uh, Saudi Arabia felt like it was important for there to be an organization where both producers and consumers could engage in some dialogue and instead of talking among themselves or talking at each other they could talk with each other and so that was sort of the genesis of it today of course the IEF is the largest international energy organization of energy ministers it's it's much more than OPEC and IEA many more members than than IEA or OPEC combined um, you know members all over the world um, 70 members uh, right now there are as many as 90 at one point which we Hope to get back to that number uh, during my secretariat, and already having encouraging discussions with with some of those countries. Uh, so, so yeah, it's it's uh, really I, I view it as sort of the uh, a very unique platform for a true uh, you know global dialogue on any issue, not just combined oil and gas, um, but um, renewables, clean energy, climate change, uh, energy transition, um, uh, you know, so much. Uh, dialogue that can happen and the IF should be leading the way
0: absolutely and that's what I was just going to, to lead on to we segue perfectly in there and when we look at you know the the great energy transition whereby we're, we're very much in the midst of it you know what is the that vital role that you see the IF going to play going forward
1: well we're going to be, be focusing much more on um, clean energy and, and, and energy technologies, new, new technologies. So not necessarily just renewable energy, but um, cleaner ways uh, to use energy, energy efficiency, et cetera. Uh, my predecessor started a great uh, cooperation with um, IRENA, the International Renewable Energy Agency, and we look to continue and expand that. Um, last year, uh, there was a symposium with the EU talking about the Green New Deal uh, we look forward to working with the EU in a more robust way, uh, both the EU and its member countries. Um, Italy, of course, will be taking over the, the G20 presidency next year, and we're already uh, talking with them about, you know, trying to help in any way we can uh, on some of those issues, and I suspect this will be a main focus of, of their presidency. And so we'll be doing a lot of, in this area, and uh, and people should stay tuned. and and. You know, know, I think people are going to see a lot more activity out of the IEF, um, more than just traditionally what what we've seen.
0: And we'll certainly all look forward to that. When we think of one of the highlights of the IEF calendar, you have the Energy Outlooks, that symposium on energy outlooks. And that was something, again, you know, the International Energy Forum put in place too. How important has that been when we look at that specific initiative, Um, particularly, you know, as an analyst, as an investor, as an industry, as a, Producer, consumer, everybody, because you really bring together quite a lot of interesting people around that to contrast and compare the outlooks. And that must be, you know, very vital for everybody to help inform them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of our flagship events um, that we have throughout the year, something that we'll be holding again in, in February. Um, and it does bring together the leading voices and experts uh, in the energy analysis community. And essentially, I mean, I like to refer to it as the battle of the energy outlooks because you have the IEA come and you have the OPEC come and, and EIA sends a representative, although they're not, it's, it's sort of, everyone gets to, even con- uh, companies present uh, their forecasts. You know, BP will come and present a forecast. We'll have some other analysts come and present forecasts. So, so basically we see a lot of different perspectives. We see emphasis on certain modeling, um, assumptions made on economic activity and it's really it's a way to sort of plan the year ahead now this year of course everybody had to throw all that out the window because of covid you know we were in a different world after march but but essentially it it really i think helps focus even those who come you know to present forecasts um to see other perspectives uh and and the dialogue just doesn't stop after the official discussions it you know continues on during the lunches and and various functions and so um, it's a really important event um, we've we've added it's a it, you know there's one day and, and of course there's we've added on a an event with CAPSARC uh, as well on the tail end and then we have a uh, EU day um, which I, I referenced earlier that it's sort of a three-day event and all these people are coming to Riyadh for the symposium we thought we let's take advantage of um, you know, showcasing these other activities, and so people most people generally stay for the three days, and all of those activities benefit from it. But one of the things i'd like to do at NA is really to sort of broaden the the reach of this event and uh, you know everyone now of course is doing um, zoom uh, web uh, events uh, web video events, uh, and we'd like to explore you know having at least some of the sessions. Uh, made available to the general public or, you know, by invitation. We'll have to see how that works, but, you know, we we do get participation by ministers that that come to it. Um, We may have more ministers join in if it's available by video. And so um, I just think it would be, it's going to add, I think, uh, you know, we talked about transparency before. It, It will help in terms of transparency. But just, it it is a very important event and a big contributor, I think, in terms of energy analysis every year. And so if we can broaden that reach, it'll be so much more effective, I think.
0: Indeed it will. And when you have all of those great experts who come together for that event too, the fact that actually more people will have access. It used to be exactly held under Chatham House rule and it was all very quiet, but actually as you, you probably had more informed knowledge been shared, which would be wonderful to actually share with the wider world. Absolutely. But looking at, you know, the hydrocarbon mix, when we look at the bigger global energy mix, now hydrocarbons you know, in anybody's outlook, definitely part and parcel of staying in place and that demand being there for time to come. But when we look at the initiatives recently by many of the international energy companies and also the OGCI and that, and really the companies now looking themselves at, you know, being a little bit more than oil companies and really looking almost at a rebrand becoming energy companies. Are you encouraged in terms of all of those coming on board with with a stronger message, a different message, and really at the very heart of it, it is providing energy to the world, not just oil and gas.
1: Yeah, I am. I mean, I I, I think that industry really has kind of pushed everybody else to get more active on on these issues and take them more seriously, not the reverse. Uh, and so, you know, while some countries are not on board with uh different aspects of of uh you know uh a, a cleaner energy or addressing climate change. Um their industries are. And um I mean we saw BP announce uh this past week um uh, you know pretty extraordinary uh new transition for the company itself, uh which I find fascinating and quite interesting and, and look forward to learning more about it. And um uh, but i do i, I think you know uh, 10 years ago when i was working in the department well more than 10 years ago now but when i was working in the department of energy in the early 2000s some companies were already talking about trying to get away from being oil and gas companies and being energy companies they want to sell whatever energy people are buying <laughs> and and that's how they looked at it and obviously the world is moving on um and definitely moving towards a more cleaner approach to to energy and addressing uh climate change and greenhouse uh, gas emissions and and that's a good thing and i think the fact that these companies are um you know leaning in um is really important
0: now i know energy poverty is a topic that is you know top of the agenda and the global attention that is needed on this is probably needs to escalate and it's there's a greater sense of urgency i think sometimes on it something that's also close to your heart i think do you think that I, the international energy forum can actually play a stronger role in really looking at this issue and maybe you know just bringing it to the fore and really helping educate people and hopefully getting some action
1: yeah i mean there's it's going to be a big agenda item for the ief uh during my secretariat it's such an important issue. Um, it gets overlooked in, because there's so many energy issues on a daily basis. You know, if you're a trader, the, the business press follows. You know, the ups and downs of oil and gas, investments in, in clean energy, um, climate issues are, are at the forefront. But it it, it really is such an important um, uh, issue and one that really there needs to be more focus on and more action taken on it. And so it's going to be a big part of our agenda. Um, the executive board, when I was elected in in December, really asked me to to look at it, and so i'm I'm going to do that. And you know, I think people think about energy poverty, they think about Africa, but it's really not just combined to Africa. It's parts of Latin America where this is also a challenging issue and in Asia. And so it's a global challenge. Next week, I'm going to be meeting with the World Bank uh, officials uh to discuss how we could work together on it and um you may be hearing more about some initiatives coming out of that uh as well but there will be there won't, there'll be a lot more activity from the ief on this um uh, in ter- and, and also in terms of personal involvement uh by myself but but don't look for a lot of activities uh in this in this regard
0: And i think that's very encouraging and you know the the un and the sustainability development goals all of that pulling together and again the more international organizations that are taking action on this it actually i think puts that peer group pressure on everybody as well to actually pay attention and ultimately to take action which is what i think the world really needs to see here we are 2020 and we talk about the eradication of energy poverty by 2030 in many countries we really I think need to to get working on this pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Now, talk to me a bit more about, you know, communication. You say it's a very, very vital uh, part of what you're going to do. And obviously in your previous role with uh, the US State Department, in your previous role as an analyst, when you've been on sort of the other side in many ways, you you know the importance of communication. How are you going to shift this for the International Energy Forum and make sure that uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more from you, as you say we will?
1: yeah so my agenda uh at least internally and these are sort of behind the scenes uh changes that we're making in terms of modernizing the ief as a as an organization in terms of structure and and staffing uh and organizational uh uh, structure um you know but we'll be modernizing um you know that we'll be modernizing the agenda as we talked about with with uh, uh you know with energy poverty and and some other issues and including um, you know energy transitions um, but also you know modernizing in terms of communications and so you know we'll soon we'll have a new website that will be our sort of uh, shingle that will hold out to uh, the the world to, to communicate online what we're doing we'll be doing certainly a lot more on social media um, we'll have a communications division which which we haven't had up until this point and so um, that will help us get our, our word across but you're going to see a lot more um, activities, not just communicating with member countries, which is really important. Also, um, you know, I think one of the problems um, that we've had at the IEF, maybe not a problem, but a challenge, is that it, you know, if, if you're on the executive board, you're you're involved in a lot of different activities. You're invited to a lot of different things. But if you're a member country, you're not, you know, you're, in, you, you're not invited to the ministerial meet. You know, you, you go to the ministerial meeting, which is once every two years and maybe one other event, but you're really not that involved in the IAF. And so we want to try to engage more member countries and provide more opportunities for them to be involved. And so I see that as all being part of this outreach and communication uh effort and and so be a big push uh, uh by us in this regard i'm i'm reviewing some uh, options now in terms of a team and and uh activities and um and my background of course is uh you know uh as you mentioned at the in the u.s government at the u.s department of energy and and as a, i was a communications professional before i became a lawyer so um you know, I, I probably could speak, uh, communicate more effectively before I became a lawyer, but, uh, but uh, I know, I sort of know what needs to be done and, and um, I, it's, it's something, a role that I, and, a, and an effort that I value and put a lot of emphasis on. So we'll be doing a lot more of that at the IAF, as, as you point out.
0: So we gotta watch out for uh, Joe on TikTok maybe next, but. Uh, <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I don't know, we'll see.
0: But again, even as you say, too, when we look at the tools available, you know, at your disposal, at every organization's disposal now, which weren't there before. And it's really you can bring more people into the conversation throughout the year. And it's not about having to wait for the meetings, which are vitally important. But I suppose that continual engagement and particularly, I think, as we broaden the energy dialogue. I mean, that must be it's so powerful to have these tools and it sounds like you're getting ready to use them.
1: Yeah, of course. And and you know, it goes both ways. We you, you get great feedback, I think also when you're when you're communicating more, you hear back more. And uh already just some simple things that I've done, you know, in terms of creating a uh secretary general a Twitter account and um, we've we've communicated, you know, internally with um members uh uh and uh and others um setting up, you know, meetings with international organizations uh there's a lot of things that we're already doing that's kind of behind the scenes, but already we're getting some really valuable uh, feedback and, and, and advice.
0: No, no, that's great to hear. Now, of course, um, you know, the US, one of the biggest oil producers in the world, and they need to be vitally involved in this conversation. And, you know, you, the first American in this position, an international energy organization, you know, the first time that there has been a secretary general from the US. Uh, Will this, hopefully, with your great contacts in the US Energy Department, hopefully, maybe we might see a little bit uh, more dialogue going on. I'd love to to think that might be possible. What do you think you can do?
1: Well I hope so. Uh, I I am the first American of any of these international energy organizations, you know, some of that is by design because of agreements that our State Department and country has made historically with, with these other international groups um but uh you know there is i guess there is uh uh, the head of the uh nuclear energy agency bill magwood is an american a former colleague of mine at the department of energy and a good friend um but of the broader energy agencies there is there was no american until until i assumed this position in july at the ief um and so i i take it you know seriously uh in that regard um i've had a lot of support already from from the Department of Energy and and the administration and the State Department. Um, They supported my candidacy, obviously, um, and uh, I've talked to them about, uh, you know, getting more involved. I think they will just because I'm an American. But, um, you know, my role, um, you know, just being an energy analyst, I think, has really helped me to meet um not just uh uh you know american but other uh you know leaders from ministries around the world so i already knew a lot of these folks um and certainly know uh, a lot of, of folks who might be in a future you know administration here as well um from the other side i'm very friendly with with folks uh you know uh in both parties in the u.s so um so I, I think it'll be good to have an American perspective. I think of the IF, but I, I do consider myself, a, you know, a citizen of the world also, and uh, travel a lot for my professional work. And so, uh, so hopefully it'll be a good add to the uh, to the mix here.
0: Indeed, we're looking forward to it. And one other thing, we were of course looking forward to this year, but uh, due to the global pandemic, we've had to you've had to, to postpone it. And that was to be the ministerial meeting for 2020. Um, you know that's unfortunate that that has to be postponed but like all big events it's not going to happen but you have decided it's going to happen next year what can you tell us maybe at this early stage about uh, what are you planning
1: yeah well originally it was planned for the spring of 2020 that's normally when it's held Um, but then it was moved to the fall because of the um, saudi presidency of the g20 and they thought it would be better to have you know, ministers who would come for the G20 to to have it back to back with the G20 energy ministerial, just to to make it more convenient in terms of travel. Of course, if we had held it, it would have if we would stuck to those dates, it would have had to have been moved anyway because of of COVID. Um, but we we did have to postpone it. We were planning to do it in the last week of September, um, and um, you know, the same week as the as the IAEA uh, general conference um and and so we've decided to have it in in 2021 and uh we don't have a date yet set but uh we we hope to pick one probably in the fall um once we get through a couple of uh formalities here also we have to i think see where things go with the with the pandemic uh, a little bit longer here to see uh because unfortunately holding a, a virtual IEF ministerial meeting is really not an option because there's so many ministers. It would be, you know, sort of a pro forma. Everyone would make a statement type of thing. But really, the ministers kind of look forward to getting together at the at the this event. It's held every two years. Um, it's held for that reason every two years, is because there's so many and it's it's hard to coordinate all of them. There's, I think, uh, the last one held in India. There was about you know, two to three thousand people. So it's a big, uh, widely attended event. The ministers look forward to it because they get to see ministers that they wouldn't ordinarily see through other international meetings or even bilateral travel. And so they like to get together for a couple days to, you know, to, you know, they are they're having bilateral meetings on the sidelines and of course um, engaging in the various programs that we have. So. Uh, our members have asked that it be in person, and so we will look for the first available date when that can happen. Uh, and as soon as we have something to announce on that, we'll let people know. but we're kind of I think a little captive to you know where things go with with covid but but you know hopefully planning for something in the in the spring of next year.
0: indeed, and just before we wrap it up, I mean it is that uncertainty I think that everybody in not just the energy sector but indeed in every industry around the world, this is the big challenge that I think is you know look everybody's looking at and seeing what they can do and how best they can manage it and survive within it i mean ultimately i think that's the situation but uh, just before i let you go when we look at uh, you know again big congratulations on your appointment you. i know you're almost on your way you'll finish up this call and you'll be on your way to to saudi arabia the next time we talk to you we'll hopefully be in saudi arabia or maybe you'll come visit us here and uh, you know be with us but when we look at maybe the first Hundred days. Where do you see the big opportunities, the challenges ahead as you take over your leadership of the International Energy Forum?
1: Well, unfortunately, we're right in the middle of trying to help countries figure out the recovery from COVID and how to deal with the challenges from COVID. So I had this great agenda planned, of course, and I presented it to the board back in December, and now we've we've uh, sort of uh, you know sort of moved quickly on our feet and and. We'll be addressing different phases of, of how COVID is, COVID is impacting energy markets and, and uh, you know, not just oil and gas, but, uh, you know, trying to keep the momentum going on, on clean energy as well and including that as part of uh, stimulus programs. A lot of countries are doing that. The EU has a big push in this regard. And I think it's really important uh, that we continue the momentum that we have going there um but uh you know we'll will we'll, there's a lot of different parts of the impact that COVID has had on energy in general and demand patterns um international travel there's so many aspects of it that we'll be looking at that probably for the rest of this year and so a lot of our agenda that we had planned will is shifting to to in the near term to focus on on COVID and helping our member countries and hopefully share some good experiences from member countries uh, that they're having some success um, and and help other countries meet challenges that that they're expecting but uh, we've done i think we've you know the uh, the international energy community has done very well in terms of responding to the immediate crisis Um, but now we're kind of at a um, you know, we, we've we kind of, the demand has is, is grown a little bit, but we're kind of like uh, pausing, I think, a little bit to see where things are gonna go. And so it's an inflection point, um, and it's one that we'll be looking at from the IIF perspective to try to share some, some uh, information.
0: So without a doubt, I know it's going to be a first 100 days, um, a first busy year, and indeed, we look forward to seeing you over the years of your tenure. So we're absolutely delighted to have you with us as, the new Secretary General of the International Energy Forum. So from all of us at ADIPEC, of course, a big congratulations to you, Joe McMoneagle. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks, Edna. appreciate it.
0: And indeed, to all of our viewers out there, thank you so much. Um, We're going to be hearing more from Joe, I would hope, in the run-up to ADIPEC, and indeed, we'll hear more from him throughout the years ahead. So stay with us on ADIPEC Energy Dialogues, and of course, look forward to ADIPEC 2020. Stay tuned. Thank you so much.